Greetings. Welcome to my 21st podcast, an excerpt from a non-fiction volume called Hollywood Soldier, A Writer's Perspective. Northridge Quake, 431 AM, January 17, 1994, apartment 1909, North Las Palmas Avenue, Hollywood, California. When it hit, I was sleeping on my back on the floor with nothing to crash down in my head because I'd come from Canada to take Hollywood by storm two months before in a half-ton Ford filled with clothes. I counted to ten while the universe rumbled and shook, then thought, virginially, I guess that's what they call a tremor. Fortified by innocence, I was startled moments later to hear a stampede of locals heading for the great outdoors. No easy task when you consider electricity is out everywhere, dawn is hours off, your apartment is a third-floor field of broken glass, and you're barefoot. Even I know a lighter is possible death by gas, so I crawled about locating jeans, shoes, and my smokes before leisurely joining the others setting up camp on the sidewalk around a single candle, which, minutes later, flickered sufficiently for a cruising cop to bullhorn us into total compliance with the law and the night, from a distance of 200 yards. An older, sensible woman arrived with a flashlight that was immediately commandeered by gallants to illuminate the fetchingly extended gams of a slightly bruised on the shin, nifty little table dancer, freshly moved into 1909 and three quarters. You think I'll be able to squat? Yes, oh yes, certainly, soothed the manly chorus, as ice cubes were gently stroked from feet to hip to make sure everything's okay. The seven-year-old from 1909 and a half stared in awe at the profile of the young dancer who had so effortlessly stolen the power from her formidable barrel-shaped mother, whom she had previously thought held dominion over all the world. Glowering contemptuously from deep beneath the grotesquerie of a face held in absolute neutral, mother savored the one-on-one, I-am-going-to-claw-you-to-shreds rage of jungle womanhood before surfacing reluctantly to the reality that we modernists would handicap the execution of her innermost desire and passed around a fishbowl filled with coca puffs instead, without hope of takers. A large, extremely good-looking and well-dressed black man in his prime defiantly relit our candle with a shit, and we huddled about it naturalist, gratefully. When the conversation serviced the duration of Quake, my ten seconds, later confirmed as dead on by the pros at Caltech, was shoved rudely aside by all, as seasoned veterans insisted on a range that topped at a minute and a half and bottomed out at 30 seconds. Round about this time, I was beginning to wise up to the fact that I had been through something, because the sensible older lady's radio said so. When I walked to my usual photocopy place a few hours later, to fine-tune the fine-tuning of the other fine-tunings of my Take Hollywood by Storm letter to producers, announcing a new but seasoned talent was in town, the guy told me they'd be closed for a week. How come, says I, disappointed. Because we just added 6.7, he shouts, repeating some kind of nervous disorder. We really have been through something, I thought, and looked around. Many sides, backs, and fronts of buildings were down. All the stores were closed, their windows a sea of glass on sidewalk and street. Cracks were everywhere in buildings, with whole corners ripped off. Across the way, amusement rides in a mall parking lot, naked of business, stood motionless, as did their operators, smoking cigarettes. A lone, tubby guy with balloons slowly transversing their midst, who looked like a clown and was dressed like a clown, a particularly distressing combination, suddenly went high up on one foot and gently released the balloons in a graceful, arresting ballet. Deeply moved by symbolism, I walked on. A 
Variety Store cashier in the only place open for blocks, with Oriental courtesy, cheerfully confirmed my lotto ticket of two days before without the money. Declining the purchase of a proper flashlight, because if I didn't buy one I'd be safe, I strolled past shelf after empty shelf looking for water, before settling on a Coke Classic, a Pepsi, an orange something or other, and a family-sized bag of fat and sodium-reduced pretzels. Then I went home to watch TV, do yoga, pump iron, fry up a few pork chops, and ponder a way to buttonhole Johnny Depp because, Johnny baby, have I got a role for you. Gotta figure out a way to get a Star Trek Seven script into the hands of Paramount too, before it's made redundant by them actually starting to shoot something. Oh yes, and a letter weaseling up to Linda, getting your scripts with the Hollywood maze, Stewart. And did Jack Nicholson's gatekeeper actually give him the script I tossed in his van way back when? Anyhow, as I twisted the key in my knob, my neighbor, still reading from the shock of her previous curbside humiliation at the feet of the dancer, fortified by a sound baritone, shook her door and mine with a 5.5, because I'm not one of your bimbos, that's why. As I stepped hastily inside and double-locked the door, mirth began trembling within. Considering her little spouse had sat meekly looking down between his knees throughout the lake show, I became increasingly tickled by the incongruity of her text, finally succumbing to my first belly laugh since the quake. It's no joke. An earthquake shakes you, like bone or tooth pain, at some daily, take-it-for-granted level that is profoundly disturbing. I haven't slept in five days. Five days without sleep for someone barely inconvenienced by the nightmare is absurd. I'm going to try again soon, lying on my back, after a hunk of Toblerone chocolate, the drinks of my coffee, and one last cigarette.